G'day, my name's Colin. Uh, if you've not seen me before, normally I have more hair. I have a small, uh, small story for you about uh, the wisdom of choosing your words well. When you go to the barbers and they say, how would you like your hair done? And you think, in the thought bubble was number three round the sides. But what came out was number three. <laughs> okay, it is number three. <laughs> So, word of advice, remember that, that verbalize that thought bubble. Um, that, it'll all work, Morgan, if you just switch S, um, on the switch box, if you switch front of stage. And we should then have a... You're not getting anything from front of stage? Oh, you aren't either. How interesting. Technology is an absolute joy, isn't it? We just live, can't live with it, can't live without it. So, um, where's Emily, where are you? Hi, oh, look, I'm gonna be a bit cheeky. I'm gonna speak to you. Okay, I'll look at other people, it's for other people as well, but I was thinking about what it's like to start a journey of following Jesus. Now, you've been following Jesus for a while, but baptism, ooh, ah, congratulations. Um, so you're going to do that, and then um, uh, just as a, a slightly outside of that, there's an old, a bit of a slightly old-fashioned song, we're going to sing little bits of it, um, a cappella, because they believe it or not that's possible, and we're going to sing it again at the end, okay? So um, good luck with this, see if you can join me. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. I was thinking about journeys and following Jesus because the decision to be baptized is, it's a discipleship thing I'm choosing to follow. And it's a public declaration you're going to do that. And it made me think about when I was young and I was tramping, because my family did a lot of backpacking. Um, tramping in New Zealand, uh, in America, you say backpacking or hiking, or they think you dress up like an old man. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's, so don't use that language. I was tramping from when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. There's a famous family legend for me. Uh, we bumped into an old person in Switzerland, and uh, at the beginning of the day, we were walking, and he met us again at the end of the day, and he looked at me, and apparently he said, much walkum youngum, which doesn't make sense to me, because that would make me sound like a he was some kind of Indian person. A lot of my life was young life was tramping, and I still remember the first time I went on a kind of youth group tramp, and uh, the shock the first stop at lunchtime, the backpacks opened and my eyes just got bigger and bigger and bigger. People pulled the oddest things out of their backpacks. Great Tupperware containers full of, you know, food and somebody had bought a hairdryer. <laughs> it was just bizarre, because when you're tramping, everything you carry weighs, yes? So if you've done a lot of tramping, you learn you want to take enough stuff but not too much 
because you pay for the stuff you carry. And I was thinking, maybe this could be a really cool message if we had a look at what do you carry in your backpack? Setting out to follow Jesus, what would be helpful? What should you pack and put in your backpack? And maybe what you should take out. And I thought what we'd do is have a quick look at Matthew 28, because Matthew 28 is the point where Jesus says to his disciples, okay, guys, tag, off you go, you're in. Yep. So it's about discipleship, and it mentions baptism. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Cool. And, and actually, that image of taking stuff out of your backpack, that was quite a big thing for baptism. When John the Baptist was baptizing people, he said, repent, turn about. Make a change. If you were living this way, live that way now. Which is really good if you don't know nothing about Jesus and you encountered Jesus. That's relatively easy to do if you've been coming from a Christian family. It's like, hang on, I've already been trying to do this. But still, if you want to follow, it's not about being right all the time. You will find that you learn and there's things you throw off. And in fact, in the letters, Paul often talks about this. He talks about throwing off your former way of life to put off your old self. One translator I really like, one person calls this, um, think of this as your ego, the part of you that is all about you getting your way in your kingdom. That's what you need to be putting off. And you can tell it's your ego because it gets corrupted by its deceitful desires. And instead you're seeking to be made new. It's like wearing clothes that won't clash with following Jesus carrying stuff that's in, in fitting in it. And in fact, he talks about putting on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So I thought I'd bring along a backpack and I'd you know, pull out these rocks, you name them unforgiveness, you know, the kind of things that would get in the way and you'll notice an absence of backpacks because it was a really good sermon. Pause. Would you join me again? In Christ alone, who took on flesh, Fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. On him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. Really odd phrase there, the death of Christ I live. It's part of the baptism when you go under. It's like you are supposed to be drowning your old self. And then you are raised. That's the symbolism of it. So I thought I would ask the question, you know, what did Jesus say to put in your bags? But actually the passage doesn't want to answer that. I got it wrong. What the passage starts off is tells us what's in the disciples' bags. There they are. They're up on the top of a mountain, and mountains are significant places. That's where Moses gets the tablets. That's where you know, all this sort of stuff happens in mountains. They're up on the top of the mountain. Here we are. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, if you've got a Bible handy, you might want to look up Matthew 28, because there's some odd things in it. What have they got in their bags? Well, for a start off, how many disciples are there? How many disciples are there? There's someone missing. The first thing this tells us is there is a hint of failure, something having gone desperately wrong. There should be 12. There are 12 tribes. 
There are 12 people on it. No, I don't know how many people are on a rugby team. 13? 16. See, just like you know that, they expect 12. It's just wound into them. To say to 11, it grates. Yeah, no, and you're shaking your head because Colin and rugby go together like that. It just doesn't happen. Um, okay. The first thing that hits them is this thing, there is this thing of in their bags is this sense of failure. Someone is missing. Someone has died tragically. They betrayed Jesus and it's present. And you know that because Matthew mentions it. He points out, he could have just said disciples. They up the mountain. The second thing in their bag is where Jesus had told them to go. They are being obedient. Great thing for a follower of Jesus. Jesus said it, so I'm going to have a crack at it. Third thing in the mix is worship. Oops, I've gone too far. Is worship. Most probably, that isn't singing a bunch of songs. Um, we don't really know. Uh, uh, generally, in Scripture for this, it's more like bowing on your knees, a sense of awe, a sense of appreciation of something greater than you. And then Matthew says, but some doubted, which has to be the oddest thing to say, or hesitated is what some people say. So there's worship, but there's hesitation. What have they got in their bags? Well, it's a slightly mixed bag, isn't it? You would expect, here you are, the risen Jesus, and we expect that the disciples will be perfect. But that doubt word, that's the same word used in the New Testament when Peter goes and walks on the water, and then he looks at the waters and starts to sink. The Bible is a lot less interested in giving us a lovely fairy tale with everything tied up. It tends to present the disciples as real people, as mixed bags. And I'm sad to tell you this, well, no, not really sad, but when you get baptised, you don't suddenly become perfect. You are still a mixed bag. And that is the stuff that God uses. We have this idea that this life should be like this. And there are endless business seminars that will tell you, and we say, talking about taking it to the next level. Anybody here ever taken it to the next level? Apparently that's what you do. You take it to the next level. I, I'm hoping, well, I, uh, I, no, I'm just, what's that? <laughs> Took it to the next level and I learned, absolutely, well said. We think it should be like this, but the Bible seldom presents it like that. That's the ideal world. The Bible more often presents it like this, the mixed bag. In Psalm 116, there's a phrase. It says, For you, for, O Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living, and we live in the land of the living where so often it is a mixed bag. And part of the challenge of following Jesus is we have these great ideals, and they're great ideals, but it doesn't always go that way. And the Bible speaks of God working in a mixed bag world, and sometimes in a world where it looks more like that. There may be times in your life where you go, next level, you've got to be kidding. All I can see is a mess. That's often how the disciples are presented. So with that in mind, another verse. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. 
for I am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ see the thing for all of us is we tend to start with what we know and experience it's what we do it's the stuff that's in our face it's the land in which we live but our worlds are often more mixed bags I'd like to tell you a side, you know, I've got time for just a quick side story. Um, a long time ago in an island a lot far, far away, yes, that's the North Island. When I was in my late 20s, I was into whitewater kayaking. And um, there's a place, Anafenua, anyone been to anyone, Anafenua? Any bills? No, okay. It's a, it's a waterfall. Um, it's about 30, 40 feet high, um, and you could kayak off it. And so you drop 30, 40 feet, which is a bit of a thrill. Um, and in those days, it's really safe. You can't do it anymore. Apparently, um, bits of the ledge have broken off. So now if you did it, you'd not be well. Um, so a bunch of us went to this, and I paddled over at Funwoods, and that was kind of fun. And I did it again. It was kind of fun, a bit bored, so we did it backwards. That was a bit more scary because you can't see the cliff coming. Um, and I watched, and a bunch of other people jumped off this 30, 40 foot waterfall. And I thought, wow, I've never done that. I could try this, and we knew it was safe. We knew that there was, well, there were no rocks in the water below. Um, so I thought, I'll give it a go. And I went up to the overhead, and I stood up there, and I thought, I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one, 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 one. Because there's something about stepping off an overhang into nothingness that is just, whew. Well, I was up there 20 minutes trying to psych myself into stepping off this thing. Um, by the way, um, don't try this at home, or in fact at Anafenua, I do not recommend this. Finally, I was so disgusted with myself for waiting up on the edge of the cliff that I went down to my kayak, I put on my helmet and my life jacket, <laughs> got myself dressed up, because uh, in my history of jumping off tall things into water, um, there is a considerable number of loud, resounding slaps and belly flops. You know that moment when you hit the water and you're completely paralyzed and you can't breathe because you've gone, yeah, I've done that a few times. It's not much fun and that was my fear. And yes, I did jump off. That was faith and that is often the kind of faith we have, mixed bag faith. Some of you will just jump off, you'll be fine. But it's often a mixed bag. Back to Matthew 28. Turns out, Jesus is less interested in this case with what is in our bags. He's interested in what, us knowing what's in his bag. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's got two things in there. One is telling us there's a task. Make disciples of all nations. Um, the scholars say the go, it uh, could be better translated as as you go. Could you shoot down to the local dairy and get us a bottle of milk? And as you go, could you make disciples? Do it as part of your life. On your way, make disciples and teach them all my ways. Emily, on your way, make disciples. Teach them all of Jesus' ways. That's what it is to grow disciples. Learning a good way of living, that's what everything I have commanded you is about. But there's another question in there. What's in Jesus' bag? Well, 
It's a bit tacky, I know. But for those of us who've watched the Blues Brothers, I have a Jesus briefcase. What is in Jesus' bag? All. We tend to think that it, because we're thinking about our lives, we tend to think it's all about my stuff. Maybe I've got stuff happening in my family or school or wherever. Is that falling out now? No, it's still there. Yep. <laughs> Hillwise. Um, <laughs> um, my work, bits and pieces, and the messy stuff, we tend to think that God isn't in charge there because that's not what we see. But Jesus says all authority. In fact, he says all in one way or another all nations, everything, that's all things I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, till the very end of the age, always, said again, all. Here's what I want you to know, Emily, following Jesus. Yeah, it's so hard when I use the name, uh, name eh? Like, when I was a kid, in maths, my name is Colin. When the teacher, maths teacher said, if we just look at this column over here, I'd go, <gasps> bad name. All authority, all places, including Invercargill and the ends of the world, they were tired of that joke down there, all my ways, all of it in following Jesus, all ways, and I am with you. So, Emily, setting out to follow Jesus, making a big, bold decision, what do you really need to know? It's not all about what's in your bag. Sometimes there'll be enough, sometimes there won't. It's that God has your back, and he is present always, in all places, and has all authority. There's nothing that does not have God have in hand, regardless as to what the graph of your life looks like. If you're one of those enviable ones who keeps moving from level to next level, good on you. Try not to be too arrogant about it. That's not everybody's journey. Yep. If it's messy and you can see no sign, good on you. It's okay because Jesus has your back because he has authority over all things, in all places, at all times. Which means that your journey of following Jesus and anybody here who wants to follow Jesus, first and foremost, it is not about what we do and achieve, though it's great if we can on our way make followers of Jesus. I suspect we will, it will happen on our way. But first and foremost, we are marked by grace that God loves you and has your back, and that there is no limit to that. And that's what we need to know, those of us who are following Jesus, because that lets us be gracious to others. That allows us to lose gracefully. That allows us sometimes to go to a cross in the confidence that God has your back, and he is with us till when? To the end of time. So offer what you have to Jesus in the confidence that God will use it. But it's okay, it doesn't have to be enough. That was Jesus' bag. Last verse, and can I have the team come up and then we're going to sing it. Um, with instrumentation and timing and all those things that didn't make it in a cappella. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man, 
pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. If I can have the team, and I'm just going to pray as they come up. God, for those of us who are following you, we pray that you'd give us confidence to rest in your love. You'd free us from our obsession with ourselves and our successes and failures. To know you, the Lord, who is Lord of all. And for those of us who may not know you, we invite you to consider if you'd like to. And if you'd like to know that confidence and to know what it is like to live in grace. Amen.